0: Thank you, Sharon, for that beautiful prelude to prepare our hearts and minds for worship this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome our guests, visitors, and radio listeners today. We are blessed that you could join us this morning. For the announcements, please review the bulletin for the many things that are happening in our church family. One item to note, the Tuesday morning Bible study is starting a new series on February 11th. Is a five part series by Andy Stanley on David, one of history's most famous kings. Class begins at 9 a.m. each week in the Minister Center youth room. Pastor Joel has a message to share about Wonderful Wednesdays, which I'm sure the kids are getting excited about.
1: Thanks, Brian. Yes, Wonderful Wednesdays is coming. Uh... It'll be here before you know it. I uh, want to encourage all of you to be praying and thinking about how you can get involved. Uh, the ministry uh, takes a lot of people to to put on, and we are so grateful for all of the helpers and volunteers that help make it possible. Uh, and, and so as we look forward to Wonderful Wednesdays, which begins less than a month from now, if you believe that, can believe that first, Wednesday in March, uh, I want to encourage you to think how you can get involved. We're still looking for more help. Uh, we, have classroom, we have some classroom leaders for each class, but we always need more to come alongside them and help, um, and, and if you have, are able to do that, I encourage you to reach out to me or to the church office, and we can coordinate that. Um, we're also still looking for help coordinating games. Uh, the first thing the kids do when they get here Wednesday afternoon is either have a snack or play some games in the big room in the ministry center. And we're looking for someone to help coordinate those games. So if that's something you're interested in or able to do, I encourage you to reach out as well. Uh, I do want to uh, just highlight as well that the last Monday in February, and I forgot to make a note of what the date is for that, but the last Monday in February is uh, another wonderful Wednesday planning meeting. So if you are a volunteer and are able to be here, we encourage you to uh, be here for that night so we can go over all the details and the schedule and make sure everything's in place for that. One big change I do want to just highlight for Wonderful Wednesdays this year is that we are doing it for four weeks instead of five. So as you're thinking about uh, how you can get involved and and how you want to participate in Wonderful Wednesdays, whether that's volunteering with the after-school program or just coming to enjoy a free meal in the evening, um, we are doing it for four weeks this year. So it'll be each Wednesday in March. Um, and then there will be taking a, a one-week break before Holy Week uh, in May, April. So I want to encourage you to be involved and think about how you can continue to participate in that and support that wonderful ministry. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Pastor Joel. One of the highlights of, of our community's uh, involvement in our church. Would you please rise and join me in the call to worship, which is taken from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. the Lord is God, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. Let's join the praise band and sing God So Loved. What is the origination of love? From where does love come? As the children come forward, for children to share a little love with those near you.
2: Good. You got to bounce a ball? How are you all this morning? Good. Do you guys like that last song? Yeah. yeah, that was really fun and upbeat, huh? Well, guess what? We are going to be talking about a word called blessings today. And I was going to ask Miss Sharon if she could have played this when you guys were coming up, but I totally forgot. you guys ever heard the song? It's an old hymn. It's one of my favorites. It's called Count Your Blessings. It says, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I have a bucket. Miss Jojo, I want you to hold the bucket. And I have this super massive marker to help us out. And I have a ton of colorful paper. Do you guys remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago? Yeah, Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit, but do you guys remember this? Yes. What did we talk about with this flower? Joe, <gasps> Joe. good job. We had to stop and smell the roses. Why were we stopping and smelling the roses? Because we were resting in Who? Jesus, right? So we're going to stop for a minute and we're going to smell the roses and we're going to count all of our blessings. And I don't want to give this lesson, I want you guys to give this lesson. I want you guys to help me give this lesson. Do you guys know what a blessing is? Yeah. What's a blessing? You forget. Well, let me maybe read this, and this maybe will inspire your little minds to help me come up with some blessings. A blessing is a special favor, it's mercy, it's a benefit, which is something good to us. It's a favor or a gift that is bestowed by God or given to us by God, and it therefore brings happiness. It is a favor. It's one of God's favors that we can bring upon another person. It's praise. It's worship. So can you guys help me come up with some blessings?
3: Blessings could be something that you do good.
2: That you do good. Can you help me? Yeah. What does that mean? What what do you mean by that? You're being helpful. You're being helpful. So a blessing is being helpful.
3: Being nice.
2: Being nice. What else is a blessing? Think about your families. What's a blessing in your family? Being able to have a mom and dad, yeah? So mom, dad. What else is a blessing? What? Helping someone? Can you come up with something? What do you mean by that? When somebody needs help, do you mean like when you're out in public and you maybe open the door for somebody because you're able to? So opening the door?
3: Um, having toys.
2: Having toys is a blessing? Yeah. How is having toys a blessing?
3: You're, bored.
2: I'm you're not bored? How about this? How about this? If you have toys... A reason toys can be a blessing is because it allows us to be able to share. Let's write down share. Sharing is a blessing. Think about this morning. What did we do this morning in church? We sang. Is music a blessing? Yeah. I think every single one of those people over there on our praise team is a blessing. Anybody who sings special music throughout the year is a blessing. Anybody sitting up here in this choir, they're all a blessing. So, music. All right. Can I have, who is, Mr. Caleb, you're older. I want you to cut those apart. Just just tear them so that each individual word is its own piece of paper. So just tear around them in the spaces so they're each individually done. All right, we're going to keep going. What's another blessing? Anything. Having siblings. What about, what about the sunshine? Is that a blessing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sun. I know some people don't think so right really now, know. but what about that snow outside? Oh, Is yeah. that a blessing? Yeah, it is. You know why it is? Because God gives us four seasons to enjoy and to appreciate. And if you stop and you smell the roses, and as you're driving and you see those pretty woods and all those trees on there, God gives us these beautiful landscapes to look at. What about, oh, I have someone. Who, what does your daddy do? A pastor. He's a pastor. What do pastors do? Um,
3: Teach people about God.
2: Teach people about God. Can we say that Pastor Joel is a blessing? Yeah. Because he, he opens God's word and he teaches us every single Sunday. And sometimes I'm a part of his Tuesday night Bible study. He teaches us there and he teaches Sunday school and he teaches you at home just like your mommies and daddies teach you guys at home. Okay, so pastor, how are you doing, Caleb? Good? All right. Are we still going? What do all of our blessings do? They help us. They help us. How do they help us?
3: By doing good things.
2: You know what? Can a fight be a blessing?
3: No.
2: Why not? Well, you're not supposed to. It's not mean, but how? What is the blessing that comes after the fight?
3: Yeah, you kind of feel bad.
2: You kind of feel bad. What is that feeling? It is, is forgiveness. Yeah. So even though a fight isn't the good part, forgiveness. Let's do forgiveness. And what about? What about something that? isn't really good for us but we do it over and over and over because we're maybe addicted to it is the addiction good no but well sometimes yes if you're addicted to something that's really good and you use it for good things yes but what about if you overcome that addiction because god is in your heart then what then it's good. It's good because we can, we can then praise God through all of our hardships too. I listened to a song this morning when I was coming over here and it was talking about even though we have some hardships and even though we have some failures in our lives, sometimes those can be God's greatest blessings also. And you know what? God loves us through us, and God is the one who gets us through those. Caleb, how are you doing over there? Good. Can I have all of your um, torn up pieces of paper? Can you guys give those to me? Thank you. We're going to fold up all of these blessings, and we're going to see... That our box is becoming overflowing. When we stop and we take a second and we can count all of our blessings and we recognize all of the blessings, good and bad, in our lives because even in those bad things, God gives us good, we can then see God overflowing in our lives. And that's the one blessing that we give. One of the other blessings that we can give is our money. Why do we give our money back to God? To help people. To help people. Because that money goes into other programs, other families that might need blessed.
3: This is what we dropping, 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 dropping. Hear those everyone for Jesus. He
2: You know what, Jojo? That is perfect. Dropping, 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 dropping. Hear those pennies fall. Everyone for Jesus, he will bless them all. He blesses every single one of us. Here in the sanctuary, on the radio, all of you kiddos up here, all of the kiddos throughout the world, God blesses every single one of us. Can we pray? All right. Dear Jesus, thank you for all of these blessings Thank you for the good blessings and sometimes those hardships too. Because even though we have hardships, Lord, you help us through them, and that is a blessing. You having us, us having you in our lives is a blessing. We thank you, and we want to stop and recognize our blessings this morning. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Shelby, for that great message to help us all remember our blessings each day. Also, if we remember this morning in our prayers for the family and friends of Sergeant Juan Muniz from Kingsville, Texas, Sergeant Muniz was lost in service this last week in California.
1: Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to uh, come to you in prayer. It really is a blessing, Lord, to even have that opportunity, that privilege to lift up our praises and our concerns to you. God, you you love us so much that you have invited us into this relationship with you, not because of what we've done to deserve it or earn it, but simply because of your love for us. Lord Jesus, you laid down your life, the greatest blessing of all, and you were raised again to life uh, to forgive our sins and to pave the way to eternal life, which is found only in you. So Lord, as we lift up those who are hurting this week, those that are mourning the loss of loved ones, those that are in need of healing, we think of the ultimate healing that comes from our relationship with you. We think of the joy that comes from knowing you. And Lord, though we may not though we may experience hardship in this life, though we may experience challenges and things that seem to uh, be too much for us to handle. We thank you that we can rely on you and your strength by your spirit that dwells in us. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the many ways you've answered prayers in our lives, the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. And, ask us, and, and Lord, we come to you now and, and praise your name and ask for your continued faithfulness towards us and our lives. Lord, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done for us. We lift all these things up to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand if you're able and sing with us our next praise song, All Who Are Thirsty. you may be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you are here with us in this place, that as your word promises, where two or three are gathered, you will be with them. So we praise you that you are here and that you never leave nor forsake your people. I pray now, Lord, that as we turn our attention toward the offering this morning, that you would bless the funds that we are going to uh, be placing in the plate here this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to give back, which is truly an act of worship to you. And I pray that you would bless these funds to further the work of your kingdom, especially through the radio ministry this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. And praise God that we have the choir this morning to offer us our special music this morning.
2: Genesis
3: twelve
1: one through three you may be. Thank you Sharon let's pray together Father I pray that as we open your word together this morning that you would uh, bless the reading of your word as well as the hearing of it I pray that as we as we talk about what it means to to be blessed in order to be a blessing to others. As we talk about what it means to be good stewards and seek you first with our treasure and our time, that you would uh, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us, and that you would um, that you would be with us and guide us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name, Amen. A few years ago, Allie and I were on uh, had some time off on vacation over the summer, and we went and visited some good friends of ours in Kentucky that we went to college with. Uh, we try to get together with, with our group of friends, you know, at least once a year. And it's gotten harder and harder as our, as our lives have changed and we've moved away and we've had kids and that always complicates things. But uh, a few years ago, we are able to, to get together and spend some time with them. And it just so happened it was right around the time that, that the Mega Millions jackpot had first just skyrocketed. It would gotten over like $500 million or something absurd like that. And, and, and now we don't play the lottery, obviously, but we thought, you know, we're with friends, we're on vacation, let's just throw 10 bucks in a pot and see what happens, right? Well, obviously nothing happened. But, uh, but we talked, we, we went out, we each bought a $10 ticket, and then we sat around that evening and talked about all the things that we would do with that money if we finally, you know, hit the jackpot. And and it was just kind of fun to sit around and talk about, you know, there was the obvious things like paying off student loans and those sorts of things, um, you know, being able to to build a house and any house that we wanted, you know, that, that sort of stuff. We even talked about how nice it would be if we could all, you know, like... Now that, now that we've become mega millionaires, you know, we could, we could quit our jobs and all kind of move in close together and spend time together as, as really close friends. Um, the more we talked about it, the more I thought that kind of sounds a little bit like a cult, but we decided to, that was not a good idea. Uh, they said, you could be the pastor and you can do everything. I said, no, it's alright, I don't need that. But it was just fun to sit around and dream and sit around to think about what we would do with all of that money. I'm sure we're not the only ones who have seen that number flash across the screen and, and think, what would I do if I ever hit the jackpot with the lottery, right? Again, uh, not not that I'm encouraging you all to play the lottery. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning a couple times and actually winning it. But But it's fun to dream. It's fun to think about those things. And so the question I wanna start us off with today to think about is, you know, what would you do if you won the lottery or maybe suddenly came into an unexpected inheritance. How would you spend those resources that you had at your disposal? Would you spend them on selfish things like buying a a building, a bigger and better house and, and seeking all the the joy and the pleasure that you think uh, having financial freedom and, and money like that could bring? If you ask anyone who's won the lottery, you know that that does not always solve all of life's problems. In fact, uh, statistics show that anywhere between 30 to 70 percent of those who win a significant amount of money in the lottery end up bankrupt within five years. End up bankrupt. Think, think about that. Millions and millions of dollars just gone, being spent on frivolous uh, pursuits of, of pleasure and joy and maybe other bad decisions as well. So what would you do with that sort of money? How would you spend it? Would you use it to, to, for yourself? Or would you use it to somehow honor God and to help others with those resources? Now, I know that's a hypothetical question that none of us sitting in this room, none of us listening on the radio are probably ever going to win any sort of jackpot like that, whether it's from the lottery or a game show or some other random occurrence But I got another important question for you. What are you going to do with the resources that God has already given you? What are you going to do with the blessings that God has already laid on your lap? That's the most important question, right? What are we going to do with those things that God has already blessed us with? Are we going to honor God with what he gave you? Or are we going to spend that money, spend that time, spend those limited resources seeking our own pleasure, seeking our own satisfaction. Jesus tells the parable of a rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. As Jesus was teaching, it says that someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. A little bit of a side note, right? In those days, the older brother, the older sibling got a double portion of the inheritance because they were expected to carry on the family name and to take care of of their parents in their old age. And so, and so the older brother often got m- twice as much as the rest of them. And so this is probably a younger brother, right, wanting his fair share of the inheritance. In verse 14, Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry." But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, you will get, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. All right, Jesus gives a pretty stern warning here. Right? What are you going to do with the blessings that God has given you? Notice how self-centered this person was in this passage. Right. Take if if you have your Bibles open, you're able to to skim over it again. Notice how self-centered his speech is. What he's going to do, right? Putting myself in his in his shoes, he says, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk to myself and tell myself, enjoy life, right? Enjoy life, and 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 just be concerned about your own pleasure and your own joy.' But God, of course." Uh, he, he wasn't looking at things from a bigger perspective. He was seeking his own pleasure and his own joy, yet he didn't realize that his life would be over that very night. See, this is the bigger question about stewardship, right? This is, this is the question at the core of what we're going to be talking about for the next couple weeks. Will you seek God first in all aspects of your life? Are you willing to put him first when it comes to things like your treasure, your time, your talent, and your testimony? A steward was this person who was a wise manager, right? And especially people that had, had a lot of wealth, they often put a steward in charge of household affairs, someone who was appointed, who was considered wise and fair, that they could manage the resources in a fair and just way. And so God is calling us to be stewards of the resources that he has given us. And biblical stewardship is far more than just financial management. As I mentioned already, it includes the wise management of our treasure as well as our time, our talent, and our testimony. And so over the next three weeks, with with me being sick and out a couple of weeks ago, it we kind of threw off our schedule a little bit here. So so today we're really going to focus on treasure. But but what I want to encourage you to think of is, is, is think about how time affects that as well. We spent the last month talking about Sabbath rest and how we can use our time to, to honor God and, and find rest in him. And so... Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna kinda gloss over that time aspect here a little bit since we've already focused on that together. But I want you to encourage about, encourage you to think about time and, and treasure in similar ways because they're both limited resources that God has given us. The money will run out of our bank accounts eventually, right, if we spend it unwisely. And we will all, we all have a limited number of minutes and hours in the day. We all have a limited number of days and years in our lives, and so so both our time and our treasure are limited resources. And so, as I talk about treasure today, think about how that can apply to how we use our time as well. And so, here's the here's the bottom line principle then in stewardship. The question is, how are we gonna Are we willing to put God first in every aspect of our lives? And then, the, so the bottom line principle then is that everything everything, our treasure, our time, are ultimately gifts from God. The air we breathe, the food on our table, the time we have to spend with friends and family, and yes, even the money in our bank account are all God's to begin with. And he freely gives them to us and provides for us through a variety of means. But ultimately, every good gift comes from God. Think about David's prayer in 1st Chronicles 29:14. God's people had just pooled together their resources, had just given towards the construction of the first temple in Jerusalem. And David prays a prayer of thanksgiving and praise, and he says in 1st Chronicles 29:14, "But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand." right, think about that principle there. David is recognizing that even though they were able to give abundantly towards this project, he recognized that the only reason they were able to do so was because it was God's provision in the first place that provided those resources. As the psalmist says in Psalm 24, 1 through 2, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it in the waters. God is the one who provided, and he provides abundantly, and he provides uh, through many means and through many ways. But ultimately, he is the source of every good and perfect gift. Therefore, it's our responsibility, it's our calling to honor him with those things. We We must honor him with our treasure, our time, our talent, as well as our testimony. And that brings us back to Genesis chapter 12. Which you heard Sharon read for you just a few minutes ago. It's the call of of that God places on Abram's life, Abram who would later become Abraham, the father of many nations. He'd been living in a land called Ur when God called him out of there and and, and called him to go and travel with his father's household to a country that he did not yet know. Canaan, who would later become the promised land, Israel. And he tell, and the Lord tells Abram this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And you will, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Notice what's intermixed here in the call and what God is calling Abraham to do. He says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna take care of you and your family. I'm gonna provide for you so that... You can be a blessing to others so that through you and your family and your offspring, all of the world is going to be blessed. You see, that's the most important thing right there for us to to notice here in this passage. And and it's not just a call in Abram's life. It's a call that he places on all of us as Abraham's spiritual descendants. Paul makes that point for us in Galatians chapter 3. Verses seven through nine. He says, "Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce this gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words, we get to share an experience in the blessing that God provides because of our common faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we think about God's call to Abram, it's really a call to all of us. That blessing was ultimately fulfilled through Christ in the spiritual blessing of being forgiven and saved and and a part of God's family. But that call that God blesses us to be a blessing to others is just as true for us as it was for Abram all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And so we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. And that especially applies Today, as we talk about our treasure and our time. And so there's three things I want us to gather from Scripture as a whole about what it means to be good stewards of our treasure, of the limited resources that God has has placed in front of us, and so that we can truly be a blessing to God and to those around us as he is able to bless us. And so the first thing is that we are called to seek righteousness and not wealth. We're called to seek things that last. We're called to put our hope and put our time and put our resources into things that are eternal, not temporary. And wealth is certainly one of those things that is only temporary. But the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ is eternal. Think of the words that Jesus tells his disciples and tells the crowd in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then a few verses later in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, wealth, even things like social status, can all be stripped away, can all be taken from us in in a moment's notice. We could wake up tomorrow and the stock market could crash. You may not have a job next week, but the one thing that can never be taken away is your relationship with God. That can never be broken. See, ancient Egyptians, they thought that their wealth could follow them into the afterlife. That's why pharaohs were often entombed in pyramids with treasure piled all around them. But you know what happened when archaeologists opened these pyramids centuries later? The treasure was still there, right? The gold was still laying right where it had been left. I've never, I've never been to a funeral. I've never officiated a funeral where there's a U-Haul attached to the back of the hearse, Right? It's just not possible, right? We can't take our stuff with us into eternity. The one thing that will last from this life into the next is our relationship with God. And so we must learn, as Jesus says later in Matthew chapter 6, we must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then he says all these other things will be given to you as well. Everything else will fall in place when we learn to seek him first. In Proverbs, it tells us that it's better to be poor than, excuse me, in in Proverbs chapter 28, verse six, better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. So if we want to learn to be good stewards with the resources God has given us, we must learn to put him first, seek righteousness, seek a relationship with him and not make money our ultimate goal and ultimate, um, uh, the thing that we seek first in this life. So we must seek righteousness, not wealth. We must also seek contentment and not overabundance. As we think about how to be good stewards of the resources God has given us, as we think about what it means to be a blessing to others, we must learn that it's not about the money that we have, it's about how we handle what God has given us, how we handle the time and how we handle the treasure that God has given you. We must learn to be content in all things. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter. Uh, 25 we get this we get this story of, of, of uh, a homeowner who, who's going away on a, on a journey and he calls his most trusted servants and, and, and entrusts a certain amount of wealth to them and if you read over Matthew 25 it's, it's a little bit of a longer passage so I will leave that to you in your own time to do so Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30 but the gist of the parable is that, that this homeowner entrusts a certain amount of wealth to his servants. To one he gives ten bags of gold, to another five, and to another just one. And he asks them all to take care of it and manage that, those resources wisely while he's gone. The, the ones who have been given ten and the one who's given five take that money and they invest it. They, they use it wisely and able to, to earn more so that when the master returns home, they have something in addition to give back to him. But the one who only had one bag of gold, the one who only had one talent, went and buried it in the ground because he was afraid and he was scared of what his master would do. So the master rewards those who use the money wisely, but he punishes the one who just buried it in the ground. There's a lot there about what it means to be a good steward, but I want us to focus in on here that, that God, the, 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 wise, the, the homeowner here who represents God in this parable didn't give it all evenly, right? There were some who were given 10, some who were given five, someone who's given one. It didn't matter how much they were given, but the expectation was still the same, that they would manage it wisely, that they would use it ultimately to serve their master. And that's what God has done for us. He's, he's blessed us all to different degrees. Some have more, some have less. And it's not a matter of what, the, what your bank account says. What matters is how you're able to use that to honor God and how you find contentment, not in money, but in God. See, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes realized that no amount of wealth could bring the happiness that he sought. Solomon tried to find meaning and pleasure in life through the accumulation of wealth. And that he did. Right? The Bible describes Solomon's just abundant, over-the-top wealth. In Second Chronicles chapter 9, it even says that, that they didn't even bother to make things out of silver because that had become a, as common as stones in Israel. Think about that. That silver was so common that it was worthless. That's the kind of wealth, that's the kind of, of resources that Solomon had at his disposal, and yet he ultimately found no pleasure in it because he realized that he couldn't take it with him. No matter how much wealth he had in this life, it would just be left to someone else when he died. And so, what's the secret then? How do we find contentment? How do we find joy in this life if it's not in the pleasure that money can provide? Solomon ultimately realized, just as many others did throughout the pages of Scripture, that true contentment does not come from our treasure, it's found only in a relationship with God. Paul writes. In Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, who strengthens me. That's the key. That's the secret to contentment. It's not about, it's, it's, it's about, and we can find that contentment, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, whether we are well-fed or whether we're hungry. We can find joy and contentment in the strength that God provides. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul warns Timothy, about the love of money. And that's a verse that often gets misunderstood because we think that Paul says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. But that's not what Paul says in that passage. He said it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the obsession with getting more and more and more and never having enough that leads to problems in this life. But when we can find true contentment and godliness in a relationship with Christ, then we can truly be content no matter what our circumstances in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, I, wanna, I want you to think about this as a prayer that we can say for ourselves. In Proverbs 30, 7 through 9, he says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor my the name of my God. Praise here for his daily bread, just as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, to meet our basic needs and find contentment and joy in that. And so to honor God with our resources means to seek contentment and not overabundance. And last, it means to seek to do good and not to live selfishly. This brings us back to the question I posed to you at the beginning, what are you going to do with the resources God has given you? Are you going to use it to honor God and to do good to others? Or are you going to use it just selfishly seeking your own pleasure and your own joy in this in, through those resources? A good, a good steward does not use his treasure in time for his own purposes. Instead, he seeks to fulfill the great commandment to love God and to love others. And there's Couple different ways that we can do that with the resources God has given us. First is that we can give towards the common good. In Matthew chapter twenty two, verses fifteen through twenty two, Jesus is 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 posed a question that was intended to trap him, right? They presented they asked him whether it was right to give taxes to Caesar. And Jesus responds by asking them to produce a coin and, and on that coin was an image of Caesar, and Jesus tells them give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Right, taxes are are the price that we pay to live in a civilized society, right? Good roads, public education, police, fire, and other first responders, just to name a few things that impact us on a daily basis. And obviously taxes to Caesar or to the government aren't the only way to make a positive impact in our community. We can give to community organizations like Agape, Our Daily Bread, organizations like Compassion International or Samaritan's Purse or The Salvation Army. They all make a huge impact, often in ways that we never see for ourselves. But God desires for us to use our resources in order to be a blessing to the community and the world in which we live. In Jeremiah 29, as as Jeremiah writes a letters to the exiles in Babylon, he encourages them to settle down, to build homes, to start families, to pray for the prosperity of the city in which you've been placed. And in First Timothy chapter 2, Paul encourages Timothy once again to pray for leaders and those in authority over us. Pray for the community. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In other words, God desires us to give for the common good for the common grace of all those in the communities that we live in and and the people that we interact with. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people in that way. But God also desires for us to use our resources to give back to him as well. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 43, we see Jesus and his disciples observe a very interesting scene. The offering plate was placed out in the middle of the temple courts for everybody to see, right? And so everybody could see how much you were giving. And the Pharisees and other wealthy religious people used that as an opportunity to draw attention to themselves. They would often walk up and, and drop their coins in and drop their offering in in a way that brought attention to themselves. And they, were give, they would often give a lot. It was often seen as a, as a at times a competition to who, the more you gave, the more social status you earned as a result of that. But Jesus doesn't point to them. He points out to the, to the widow who walked up and put just two small pennies in the plate. Jesus said she gave more than everyone else that day because she gave, out of her, uh, she gave everything she had rather than out of her wealth and abundance. You see, it's not about how much you give. It's about your willingness to give in order to further the work of God's kingdom. The Pharisees gave more, but it was not difficult for them to do so. There was no sacrifice in their giving. The widow, however, gave everything she had, even though it was nothing compared to the others. So I want to ask you a question as we wrap up our time here together this morning. As you think about everything we've talked here today, about seeking righteousness and not wealth, about seeking contentment and not overabundance, and seeking to do good and not living selfishly, are you... Are you giving sacrificially to the further the work of God's kingdom? Not talking about just here at First Church. There's plenty of opportunities and plenty of ways to give to God that don't include pledges and offerings that we take up here. But that's certainly a part of it. Are you giving sacrificially? Are you giving out of your abundance, out of the leftovers of your budget? Or does your giving force you to sacrifice a little bit? I do believe your checkbook as well as your calendar our theological documents, right? When we spend, where we spend our money and where we spend our time is a statement about the things that we love and value in this life. And that's why the offering is a part of our worship service. There's plenty of ways for, for you to give to the church or give to other organizations. But the reason we do it as part of our worship service is because giving truly is an act of worship. When that plate gets passed or when you choose to give online, you're effectively saying there is a God in this universe and this, this money is not it. And you're willing to give of yourself in order to further the work of God's kingdom. I want to close by reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8. through 8. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Notice here the echoes of Genesis twelve one through 3 here in that passage. We are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. As we are able to give back to God, no matter how much it is, God is able to bless that and is able to provide through that so that in all things we may abound in every good work. God wants to work through you, and that includes your finances, to provide for your family, to provide for your community, and to provide for the work of his kingdom in and through churches like ours. So I want to encourage you to think about how you are able to bless others with the resources that God has blessed you with. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your blessings that as we, were, as we are able to pause and reflect on them as Shelby taught us in, in Children's Chat, we know that we have been blessed beyond measure. And so, Lord, we ask that you would, you would equip us and, and encourage us and challenge us to be a blessing with those resources, with our time and with our treasure, so that you can further the work of your kingdom through this church, through our own lives, and make a, a positive impact. Uh, on, those that, on those around us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you as we close our service to stand and sing with us number 395, Teach Me Thy Way, O Lord. Let's sing the first two verses.